Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, we're all in take five. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook them up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Hook him up with E and Rod B. Hook him up indeed. Some serious Texas fight shown last night by the Texas volleyball team out in uh, California. We'll get you details in our headlines. Also, what do you know? The Patriots can find the end zone. Three times. Three times in the NFL Week 14. Kicking off also a couple more Longhorns into the transfer portal. And honors for Longhorn players. We'll get to all of it coming up as we roll on on a football Friday. That makes it uh, what, Rod Babers? It is a uh, freak flag. Feel good. Fake it till you make it. Ric Flair. Woo! Football Friday edition. Hook them up with Ian Robbie. And Rod B, of course, ties there as well. The, as it says here, the the president of the LeBron James Hate Club. There you go. I like that. Nah, it's all right. He ain't, he ain't the only one. He ain't the only, he ain't one. The only one. But, but uh, fewer and fewer things to hate on when it comes to LeBron. When yeah. it comes to well, and somebody, of course, you immediately get. He'll never be Jordan. Well, no one's saying he's Michael Jordan. Jordan's the greatest player of all time. But uh, um, I know. But That's the. <laughs> everybody wants to have that debate. That's the. Uh, not arguing that. It's, yeah, the, the Ouroboros. It's a snake eating its own tail. You can argue that forever. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but, no, I would still say Jordan's the greatest basketball player of all time. doesn't mean Michael that LeBron James is not one of the five best players of all time when it's all said and done. I think he'll be on the Mount Rushmore when it's all said oh, and done. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Georgia needs to understand that Texas doesn't really think that much about them. Exactly. Hey, uh, this says Georgia fans ain't used to the cities with shiny buildings and houses that have cement ponds in their backyard. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. That's true. Well, look, I mean, I guess I can try to sympathize with the Georgia fans no, because they, their but, first trip to Austin uh, with uh, with Texas, and they've been looking for revenge since that, uh, you know, that game in the Sugar Bowl in 2018. The fans want to travel. They travel like like no other, which is cool. But in, and that is a tough weekend because somebody said they could stay in Waco or stay in uh, Kyle or Butte. Listen, if you try to get a hotel in and around F1 weekend, you'll anyway. be lucky to get one in San Antonio. Yeah. Like, literally. It's crazy. It, it is the yeah, – and that's why people rent their whole house out for yep. thousands and thousands of dollars. It's worth, it's worth it for you to go go outside go outside of town and get a hotel room and I'm rent your to house out. trying to my wife into it. Yeah, because you make so we much We live right money. here in Onion Creek, oh. 10 minutes from the track. Dude, you can you Uber makes, over there. Anybody who lives in the, uh, Met, in the uh, I got, ATX I got three bedrooms. Area, yeah, if you live in the Austin area, like, seriously, during that time, you he's right. You can make a, t- a ton of money. But, for sure. Like, yeah. like uh, – Multiple, yeah, but, but she doesn't want to go there. It's and then, her, yeah, her she's house. like, yeah, she's like, smiles. I ain't my rental house. I'm not going to a, you going to a hotel room for a week? No, we're not doing it. You boys over here counting the dollars. Like, do you know how much we could make? We were we're in the prime location. The tollway's right there. We could you jump on. Oh, and, and your and place is nice. Like, nice you house. Got, you could actually not a bad house. Yes. Play some golf while you're here. So exactly. <laughs> that, that would hey, that means you could up the price right there, Mike. I can maybe get right. you a tea time. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Hey, let's go look, but maybe, maybe next year. Maybe next year. Nah. But uh, I'm not running into a damn Georgia fan. That ain't happening if they're looking for a place. But you could understand the fans want to come and check out Austin. But this You're is never going to take over 
DKR. Like, nope. that doesn't happen. Opposing teams don't get to take over DKR. Longhorn fans are way too loyal, way too faithful, and they got way too many resources. So you don't get to take, especially when Texas is good. Well, you remember, couldn't take it over when Texas is bad. You ain't going to take it over when they're good. Well, and it was a big controversy when they played Notre Dame, right? Georgia rolled into Notre Dame and took over the stadium. Texas kind of did that, too, when they went up there. Yeah. But because Georgia fans travel, and Notre Dame's you know, season ticket base is spread out all over the exactly. country. Exactly. They don't have – And a lot of them will sell the tickets. Yeah, Texas got a lot of season ticket holders that are within this radius. Yeah, they live right, here. Right here in the central Texas. Yeah, I mean, they, they, and I mean then Notre they Dame – Houston and then Dallas. I mean, Notre Dame graduates live all over the country, and, oh, yeah, and man, they don't live in down. South Bend. Yeah, <laughs> Georgia. I mean, Chicago obviously would be the biggest, but same time. Uh, so Georgia was able to take over, pretty much monopolize their stadium, which mm-hmm. would, was like, don't we're not letting that happen. Remember when Ohio State came in last year? They tried to they they made ticket rule mm-hmm. uh, to make yeah. it tougher on on the fans from Columbus to get their tickets or from Ohio. Makes sense. Yeah, it does. But uh, yeah, Georgia fans. Georgia fans are already mad. It ain't happening at DKR, guys. Not Trust happen. me. <laughs> and and, and, Deke, and uh, CDC will put you up in the up in the top. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Like I said, like the Longhorns are really good again, dude. That good luck. You might have had some luck in the last fifteen years, but good luck now that they are competing for championships again. You ain't gonna be able to do that. You are not. Um, all right, so we'll do some more bullish or BS stuff coming up. There's good topics out there, including the transfer portal. Uh, we've got the Longhorns. We've got the Cowboys. Is it a legacy game for Dak Prescott? Uh, and you're not saying that if Dak loses his legacy shot, you're saying no. that he can Had change the narrative of what Dak Prescott is exactly. over the next, not just Sunday night, but it starts Sunday night into this stretch where they play the Eagles and the uh, Dolphins and the Lions in the I'm next I'm going to go back month. and look, but if Dak wins this game, I bet he'll skyrocket to the best MVP odds to be in the front run for MVP, and I don't know if Dak has – Ever, ever been there? No. I don't know if we've ever no, talked become about the that favorite as with, a leader. With four yeah, games to play. the favorite to win MVP. I don't know if he's ever in any week where he's been a the quarterback for the Cowboys. I don't know if he's ever been the front runner for MVP. I don't know if Vegas has ever said Dak's the guy. He's he's got the best MVP odds. That's what I'm talking about in terms of shifting the narrative and changing his legacy. And I'm not just said for one game, as he pointed out. You got to do it through this stretch, stretch run. But if he does it, if he does what he's doing now at the quarterback position in this stretch run for the Cowboys, he'll come out on the other end of it as the front runner for MVP. And he may just do it after out out dueling and outplaying Jalen Hurts and beating the Eagles. I think it'll happen after that because right now I think he's second or third. It's basically Brock Purdy, Jalen Hurts, and Dak Prescott with the best odds, depending on what book you're looking at and depending on which way you want to arrange it. So I that's what we're talking about legacy game for Dak. Uh, absolutely, and that's yeah. Sunday night. That's part of a big NFL weekend that also includes the Chiefs and the Bills. Uh, also includes the Texans and the Jets in a good one at noon. So a lot of football coming this weekend. Is it? Are you bullish that uh, if D'Amico Ryan's can win this game in New York, which gets a lot of media, D'Amico Ryan's goes to the front of maybe Coach of the Year in the NFL? I think he Dak already is there. Uh, Shane Steichen in Indianapolis would get some votes. I mean, there's sure. some other guys, but boy, that when you get to play in front of that New York media. And you put on if they if CJ Stroud performs well, you can expect a lot of Texans talk next week. That Jets defense though is stingy. Uh, they got their own quarterback mess going on though. I think CJ Stroud's going to help D'Amico win it, just because he's playing so well and there's so much attention on him. Yeah, yeah. That I think he gets D'Amico gets a lot of that love too, just because the, the and the Texans was such a dumpster fire like two years ago. Hey, like, can they, we go <laughs> to the uh, headlines? Because uh, coming up after the uh, after the headlines, our friend Gene Watson, our baseball insider, will join us with the latest hey. on the Shohei Otani decision. Gino. Coming out of the winter meetings, the big trade the Yankees made. Uh, we'll get to all of it, Rangers and Astros, real quick. But uh, and then Rod will take us behind the burnt orange curtain. Right now, let's get to the headlines. Headlines. Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment bringing you the top stories, including the Texas volleyball team. How about Texas fight on display last night? Longhorns win a five-set thriller 
over 11th ranked Tennessee in the NCAA regional semifinal out in Palo Alto, California. The match just went back and forth. Longhorns won the first set, dropped the next two, but won the fourth set 26-24. And then in the fifth, the deciding uh, set 16-14. An absolute thriller. Longhorns into the Elite Eight for the 17th time, their last 18 seasons for head coach Jared Elliott. They will face Stanford with a trip to the Final Four on the line tomorrow night. Uh, also last night, or actually from uh, the 40 Acres, while the third-ranked Longhorns awaiting their Sugar Bowl battle with second-ranked Washington, number of Horns received All-America honors this week. How about defensive lineman Tavondre Sweat, along with Byron Murphy, wide receiver Xavier Worthy, and Jatavion Sanders, all recognized as first-team All-Americans by various lists this week. Tavondre Sweat, as a matter of fact, has been named first-team All-American by the USA Today, The Athletic, Sports Illustrated, and CBS Sports. Of course, the anchor in the middle of that Texas D that is part of the nation's fifth-best rushing defense. Two more Longhorns, including a fourth defensive back, have entered the transfer portal. Wide receiver Casey Kane, defensive back Larry Turner Gooden, entered the portal yesterday, according to On3 Sports. Kane is a member of the 2021 Texas recruiting class, nine career catches. Turner Gooden, a redshirt freshman from Playa del Rey, California, played in five career games at Texas. He joins fellow defensive backs Jalen Catalan, Xavion Bryce, and B.J. Allen. NFL Week 14 last night, New England. Bailey Zappi, pride of Victoria, Texas. Three touchdown passes. Uh, in the first half to help the Patriots beat the Steelers 21-18. to in, in the NBA, Indiana's emerging superstar Tyrese Halliburton poured in 27 points, dish out 15 assists, lead the Pacers past the Bucks 128-119. They're into the championship game now, uh, that in-season tournament, the inaugural one. They're going to meet the Lakers, who steamrolled New Orleans last night, 133-89. to The two will play for the first-ever NBA Cup Saturday night in Las Vegas. High school football this weekend. Good luck to three area teams looking to advance to the state championship uh, in Arlington next week. Uh, tonight, Wimberley, the undefeated Texans face Belleville in the 4A Division II semis in Pflugerville. Liberty Hill will be down in the Houston area to take on Fort Natchez Groves in the 5A uh, Division II semifinal. And then, of course, tomorrow afternoon, Westlake facing North Shore in the 6A Division I semis also in Pflugerville. And huge news from golf. Official word now that John Rahm is announcing he is defecting from the PGA Tour and officially joining Live Golf, a move that stands as the Live Golf's uh, biggest move to date, completely changing the dynamics of professional golf, both for the leagues, both for both leagues, going into 2024. Horn headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Don't be a ho-ho-ho. Bring anything on Foster Village's Amazon wish list on our Facebook page and get up to 20% off your rental or purchase. Topgun.net, we'll shoot you straight. All right, uh, Rod will take us behind the burnt orange curtain. We'll talk about uh, why all these defensive backs are jumping into the portal. Uh, it feels like in uh, you know, four now, two, three safeties. Three safeties. <laughs> Not a coincidence. Not a coincidence. Rod will explain from his time on the 40 Acres, a kind of personal story. We'll get into that uh, John Rahm story, too, and what it means. A lot of confusion. I think everybody thinks this merger with Liv and PJ Tour is done. It's not. And uh, we'll get you the very latest. And John Rahm dropped the bomb yesterday. But speaking of dropping bombs, uh, whoever signs Shohei Otani, We'll certainly be dropping a bomb on the baseball world. The Yankees dropped a bit of a bomb this week at the winter meetings. Let's go to the Vaqueros hotline. Uh, he is our baseball insider, now a senior vice president there with the Chicago White Sox, uh, making the move to the south side of Chicago. He's a huge Longhorn fan, too. He's our great friend Gene Watson. Gino, how are you, bud? Good morning, guys. How are you? Hey, Gene. Hey, uh, how about these Longhorns, man? I'm going to talk some baseball coming up, but how about, these, how about Steve Sarkeesian and these horns? You've got to be a, a proud fan when you're out and about uh, at the winter meetings. Oh, my gosh, it's so much fun. And, and our manager, uh, Pedro Grafal, is a Florida State guy. So, you know, the winter meetings, you, you basically – you don't sleep for five days. You walk around. You're, you're with everybody in the game of baseball. And Pedro and I kind of ran together, and everywhere we went, everybody would go, hey, congratulations on the Longhorns. I'd go, yeah, but how about Florida State? And it, would just, <laughs> it just drove him crazy. But So he got tired of it after about two days. But, yeah, I, I literally had – 
hotels in LA and hotels in New Orleans booked a couple hours before the announcement. I felt pretty good about it. And so it was a quick cancel and a quick uh, confirm once, uh, once the announcement came down. It's awesome. He is a uh, legend in scouting. Is the director of pers- player personnel for the Chicago White Sox, two times a world champion. And what did you take from the uh, the winter meetings as uh, for for our audience? Obviously, the, the Juan Soto trade to the Yankees, seven player deal. They also get a, a really good center fielder in Trent Grisham. Uh, I thought uh, the Yankees got better this week. They did, and you know it's just such a unique time in the game right now. I, I don't think I've ever seen in my thirty five years um, a time like this where you've got. Um, so many teams that are under financial constraint due to the, the, the television deals and not really having a number, uh, a payroll number, uh, and then having a unique situation where you have a, a pitcher like Yamamoto coming over from Japan. You've got a, a free agent like Shohei Otani. Uh, and then you have a position player like Juan Soto that's out there at a trade. So I really think that because you're constantly trying to build your roster from the top down and there's so many – high-end situations uh, with, with some major markets having issues with payroll and, and, and finances that it's really kind of hamstrung the entire industry. And I, I think that uh, the Soto deal is going to help speed things up on the position player side. Uh, but, and I, I think Otani is going to come down soon, probably by Sunday. And wow. once those two things happen, it'll, it'll be begin to open up a little bit uh, because teams are, you know, you can't spend, you know, three to five million on the low end if your number is one fifty and you're sitting at one forty. Now, you got to conserve every dollar to get the high end player. And so once, once these things kind of iron themselves out, I think we're going to start to see a lot more movement within the industry. Okay, yeah, everybody waiting on Otani. You say by Sunday. Do you have any, any thought of on where it may be, or are you just going to be as surprised anybody as everybody else? You know, knowing him and and being with him in 2021 and how he's. <clears throat> really based on comfort, I, I really thought that the Angels might, like Artie, might sneak in there and just blow everybody away and keep them. It's a 10-year deal. You don't expect Artie to own the team in 10 years. Uh, but I've heard that's not the case. Beyond that, um, you know, Toronto is, is sneaky because, you know, the Rogers Center plays very similar <clears throat> to the Tokyo Dome. It's a wonderful city to live in. It has a lot of international influence. He could kind of go there and be comfortable. Um, uh, they have a huge television market from Japan, and the fans are unbelievable. I mean, and so – and they're very good. they got a good team. So I wouldn't be surprised if Toronto doesn't get it done. It, 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 but uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Wow, Toronto, Rod. How about that? <laughs> Shohei, north of the border, uh, for all good reasons. I, it's interesting. I didn't, I didn't think about the, the Rogers Center playing like the Tokyo Dome. It does kind of remind you when you see when, you know, Shohei's uh, previous uh, you know, place of employment before the Angels. Uh, cool stuff right there with Gene Watson. Uh, so interesting with the market. It's kind of waiting on the Shohei deal. Um, for the Texas teams, you know the Astros are trying to rebuild their bullpen. The Rangers uh, coming off the world championship. What do you think they're, they're looking to fortify in Arlington and in Houston? Well, Houston, you know, I know, I know they're, they, you know, they're active in the, in the pitching market. Everybody is looking for starting pitching, and the demand is so much greater than the supply that a lot of teams are looking for the one-year deals in, in trade via Tyler Glass now. You know, we have Dylan Cease on the market right now, you know, 30-plus starts the last three years, arguably the most controllable talented arm on the trade market right now. And so – 
you know, I think that the pitching is, is that something that everybody's focused on with Texas. Um, you know, it's so unique because that team winning a world series, they had such a veteran core that the Mitch Garvers, the Robbie Grossman's, the Travis Jankowski's, those guys, you know, they all want to come back. And so you've got to kind of, you got to kind of massage, you know, going out and getting a big free agent and, and spending those dollars versus like, okay, this was kind of a unit. This was kind of a unique uh, situation with the number of veteran players that we had. And you, that clubhouse is, is real. That, that, that is a living, breathing organism. And you've seen it a thousand times where playoff teams let one little piece go and you think it's not that big of a deal. And the next thing you know, that was the guy that was the glue of the team. And it was Raul Abanez for us in, in 14. And so uh, those are the things you got to kind of really be careful with. So I know they're focused on pitching. Uh, I, there's been a hint of Mitch Garver wanting to come back. They've got all those role veterans that want to come back. Uh, and so it's going to be interesting to see how they balance that. I know they'll probably try to do things uh, via uh, free agency over trade because they do have still some very good young players in the system that everybody's going to try to uh, acquire any type of trade situation. Yeah, Gene, I was going to ask. Gene Watson is with us, of course, the uh, director of player personnel of the Chicago White Sox, our baseball insider uh, here on Hook'em Up. And, uh, you know, the, the Rangers, you're, you're right about that clubhouse. It's so tight-knit, and there's so many veteran players. But they, you know, a guy like Wyatt Langford, who they drafted out of Florida, I mean, he's making the fast track. I mean, they've got Jack Leiter in their system. I mean, they're, in addition to being the world champions, they're loaded uh, at the minor league level. Owen White, one of the top right-handed pitching prospects in the game. Brock Porter, a top five, top 100 prospect in the game. Uh, Ezekiel Duran, who had such a great first half um, and, and, and didn't really factor in because of some injuries in the second half, and you, and you bring up Evan Carter, and, and those at-bats are taken away. And so, I mean, they've got a very strong system, and, and uh, they're not going away anytime soon, I can tell you that. <laughs> it doesn't feel like it. Astros-Rangers will be a great battle next year in that West. Uh, Toronto, a team to watch for sure in the Shohei sweepstakes. Back on the Yankees real quick, how, how much with, with Soto in that lineup to balance it out from the left side with uh, Stanton and Judge and all the power? Uh, they also get Grisham, who's a you know, gold-glove center fielder. How, how much better are the Yankees in the American League based on that move? Very good. I think Juan, Juan I don't think he ever really – uh, got comfortable on the West Coast. Um, Latin American player had grown up his entire American life in, in on the East Coast, and you know one has a knack uh, for the big stage, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how he blends into that city and that stage. But but uh, I mean, such a talent, and he's going to be ready to prove some people that 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 last year was was not. You know, something that's going to keep happening. Grissom, the kid from North Dallas, uh, elite defender in center field, can kind of blend in and be a very good complementary player. And, and they're not done. They're not close to being done. They'll, they'll, I'm sure they're still in the Yamamoto sweepstakes. I'm sure they're still in the, in the Otani sweepstakes and uh, Blake Snell. I mean, there's, there's still, you know, a lot of ways that they can go. And so they're, they, they're going to push all in. Uh, you know, Toronto – is going to be very, very good. Everybody knows what Tampa brings to the table. Baltimore is the, you know, arguably the favorite to win that division next year. <clears throat> so as an organization, they're in a place that they're not used to being in where nobody is really talking about them being the team. And so um, I know Cash wants to fix it, and I know uh, they're working diligently to try to do that. 
And last thing you mentioned, uh, your your White Sox. You're with uh, Dylan Cease on the market, uh, the right-handed pitcher. Uh, do, what do you guys expect <clears throat> for as a haul that goes? I mean, that that that's the best pitcher that's available, it seems to me. Yeah, we're we're excited. I mean, we have half a dozen to you know six to ten teams that have have jumped in on him. Uh, you know, we traded Aaron Bummer in the five-player deal with. Uh, Soroka and, and uh, Nicky Lopez, and we got some young talent back in that deal. And so we, we got a chance to really improve this 26-man roster and, and, and the future of the organization with this trade. And so it's not a situation where we have to rush into it. Once Otani falls and Yamamoto falls and Snell falls, the supply and the demand of, of, of the pitching within the industry is still going to be greater than what when any team can acquire. And so I feel like that at that point teams are going to – say, you know what, we have to pivot to this, and that's when they're going to be more open to engaging and, and making a really smart trade for their organization, as, as we'll do for ours. That's why he's the best right there, Gene Watson, candid. But uh, all the info coming from the winter meetings, and I know you've been busy with you know five days there and not a lot of sleep. So get some rest this weekend, Gino, and uh, maybe we'll catch up in New Orleans and, uh, and grab a hurricane or something, getting ready for those Longhorns <laughs> nice. against uh, Washington. Good, good to hear you, my friend. I will take you up on that hurricane. Hey, hey, happy birthday, Eric. <laughs> Hey, thank you, Gene. Thank, thank you, Gene. Gene. Yeah, there's right, Gene Watson. Take care. Is there's your birthday care. today, E? It was Wednesday. Wednesday. Oh, okay. Yeah, I Wednesday. didn't know that. Yeah, that's okay. Oh, man. I'm like you with Happy birthdays. Happy belated birthday, brother. Thank you, brother. I didn't know that at all. Yeah, Wednesday. But Gene had a nice comment on, on whatever social media. But, yeah, thank you, Gene. And I hope to see Gene in New Orleans. I hope we all get to meet. I don't think everybody I know is going to New Orleans, right? Are you going to New Orleans uh, with us? Come on, I don't know. Man. I booked the hotel see. yesterday. I know. I'm waiting on the wifey. She's uh, trying to make some plans. You all right, know, Yeah, you got a baby. Might be a little tough, but, but gonna, I'm, I'm trying. I'm Trust trying. Me. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm making the drive. I've done it before. Man, you should. Did it in 2018, man. Oh, man. Yeah. I, I, I think, honestly, it's going to be it's gonna be one of the biggest Longhorn uh, contingents probably in the history of, college, of Longhorn oh, football. Everybody I talk to, I'm going, I'm going. I'm yeah, going. It's, it's like, it's, it's been so, people have been waiting on this so long. 15 years have been waiting on this. Yeah, it's been since you know, it's been a long time. I know 2018, Texas was in the Sugar Bowl last, but it was a different feel. Yeah, everybody's got the same vibe. Okay, I just, spent, I just spent on Arlington. Then I got to go to New Orleans, and I may have to go to Houston. Houston, too. So you're trying to, hey, what's hey. for Christmas? Uh, football tickets? Yeah, I'm trying, to, <laughs> I'm trying to save out my bread for H-Town. That's right. Yeah, That's right. No doubt. If they get there, that would be the one. Oh, yeah, uh, says, good baseball talk, guys. How about former Austin High Maroon Drew French, hired as the Baltimore Orioles pitching coach, also the pitching coach for the Express for a season. Good for that. Thanks for that little tidbit. Nice. There's some good baseball right there from the top. I mean, if you want an insider, there it is. Uh, he says, sleep, don't sleep on Toronto for Shohei Otani. Uh, Rangers with a, an embarrassment of riches on their top end of their roster and in the minor leagues. Astros looking for pitching. That Dylan Cease is a name to watch. He's a great right-handed pitcher who the White Sox are openly marketing, shopping. They're going to get a haul for him. Don't don't leave the Rangers out of that. You just heard Gene mm. running through their prospects Man. that have nowhere to go in that Rangers system uh, coming up. Uh, they could use Dylan Cease, and they're, they have the ammo to get it. They're not afraid to spend the bread. Yes. You know that about the so Rangers. keep an eye on that. And uh, Astros would like to be in that, but I don't think they have the – the pieces to send back the other way if it becomes, as he said, five, six teams. Rangers have the deepest farm system in the game right now. Um, and the, the, obviously the Yankees just make the big move to get Juan Soto. All right, we'll come back. When we do, we'll be at the turn. We'll get you the latest on this John Rom bombshell. Not surprising. It's been rumored for weeks. It officially happened yesterday at the turn. Also, we'll get uh, Rod behind the burn orange curtain wire. The DBs all jumping in the portal. Rod will have details coming up. Let's hook him up with Ian Rod B.
Turn is presented by Callahan's General Store, helping to keep your yard in golf course condition year-round for 45 years. It's always a good day to make it a Callahan's Day. Indeed it is. Uh, got live music at Callahan's tomorrow about noon. Going to get out there and uh, get the uh, essentials for winterizing your lawn and the experts to help you with it. As I say, man, you, you make that a monthly trip into Callahan's, they'll help you. Your yard will look like a golf course year-round. It's got to stay on it, and the more you do it, the easier it gets to maintain it. But uh, the experts and everything you need at Callahan's General Store, the partners of ours on our Central Texas tour of golf courses in December, it's Gray Rock Golf Club out in South Austin. Check it out on our website, hornfm.com. Just click on the uh, tour of Central Texas Golf Courses presented by Callahan's General Store. Obviously, the, top, the conversation we've had all week, Rod, uh, when would John Rahm make it official? Well, the, the answer to that question is yesterday. Uh, John Rahm, who once – he's been one of the tour's most outspoken players. By the way, since 2016, he's been one of the game's best players. If you think John Rahm's just a Masters champion, Rod, since 2016, that's seven years of golf. John Rahm is number one on the tour in wins, top fives, top tens, top ten percentage, and strokes gained. And he's the Masters champion. Yeah. Um, he's one of the game's greats. And um, this is a huge blow. Uh, but when I say outspoken, you know, numerous times he's been adamant. Stop asking me. Stop asking me. I'm, uh, I'm my fealty to the PGA Tour. Um, it, it, it was, he talked about I, I've, I've never, I do not play golf for the money. I play golf for the love of the game yeah. and for the love of golf. That was going to come back to haunt him. Um, for the money. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but he had a statement yesterday where he says, obviously the money is wonderful. I, I've said before it's true. I do not play golf for the money. I play golf for the love of the game and for the love of golf, but as a husband and as a father and as a family man, mm. I have a duty to my family to give them the best opportunity and the most amounts of resources possible. Now, so, that is true. That is true. That is true, man. And it leads to the confusion of, well, wait a second, I thought the Live Tour and the PGA Tour are merging. They're trying to merge, Rod. They announced Sorry. a merger last June that sent shockwaves through the world, not just the sports world, uh, that the PGA Tour was combining with their arch enemy, um, which led to, you know, Calls and everybody got hauled in front of Congress. There were calls to call it off, um, and but so but to, lost in all the the, the 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 conversation is that the deal's not done. The deal's not done. They announced a plan to merger, but then they had to merge, and then they had to get together and come up with the final details of the merger. Uh, that's not done, and then the December the thirty first of this month is the deadline that both have self imposed. That if it's not done, we're not doing it. Mm -hmm. uh, which leads you to think that maybe John Rahm knows some things behind the scenes that maybe this deal's not going to get done. It's also a negotiating tool here if they, for Liv. I mean, they're now in a more advantaged position, having taken one of the game's best uh, and taken him, you know, away from the PGA Tour. Uh, so that firm deadline of the 31st is to watch. And it's also interesting that now you're hearing, because remember, there were a lot of people within the golf industry who were furious at the PGA Tour for going here, for giving in to the enemy here. Don't do this. Yep which now there's talk that Jay Monahan and the PJ Tour are seeking other investment to avoid having to merge with Live Golf. Awesome. Uh, so that is all in play ahead of Christmas here and ahead of the new year. Uh, and obviously, John Rahm made it official. He's going to the Live Tour. So keep, keep, keep tuned here at, at the turn. We'll keep you posted as it happens. But right now, John Rahm is, uh, you won't be seeing it at your, he can when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
Oh, he can still play the majors. That's the whole thing, right? He can still play the masters. That's how it didn't matter to the live people. That's the right, folks. They wanted well, to play the majors. At the end of the day, that's they didn't the, want to play in all the other the, tournaments anyway. <laughs> that's the business decision, right? Is wait a second. I now I've won the masters, which was huge, because now that you have a green jacket, you're exempt. You can, you'll always play the masters for the rest of your life, no matter what happens. You have a four-year exemption. He won a U.S. Open too, so he's got exemptions for wow. two there. Of the, <laughs> and the other two, he has a four-year exemption based on his master's win. So he can play in every major for at least the next four years. Wow. And who knows how different things will look five years from now when those exemptions run out. So, And if he wins one of those majors, he'll have exemptions there forever, right? I mean, that's just – and so he's going to play. And you'll see John Rahm just like he did Brooks Kepka in the majors. And you won't see him playing with alongside Scotty Scheffler. Um, Jordan Spieth, and the rest of the PJ Tour this year at the big events there. But uh, John Rahm out, and obviously we'll follow up the next three weeks of what's going to happen. And that's at the turn. Uh, that's the big bombshell out with John Rahm. Who knows how much money it was, but uh, someone who was adamantly against it uh, is now going. Hey, everybody's got a price. Yep, everybody. Straight cash, homie. And, but now the new story to watch is, is how this merger happens or doesn't happen. And does the PGA Tour find outside investment that's not the Saudi Royal Fund to – and then it's – now you have rival leagues. And now you'll not just because the idea was under one umbrella, there's a chance that Jay Monahan just could collapse the live tour and that would be in his purview. That's now not the case. And by the way, for people who have asked the question, and it's a fair one that you, well, I heard when they agreed that then they would agree not to take players, like they would agree to hands off mm -hmm. until the merger's done. Well, that, that uh, clause in the agreement, the original agreement, went away because they were worried about an antitrust suit from the U.S. Department of Justice if they did that. So. That, that's out. So now you can, and that's why this happened yesterday. So uh, confusing, but here we go. Three weeks to a deal, potentially. Let's uh, wrap it up. That's At The Turn, brought to you by Callahan's General Store. Get out there, see that live music tomorrow. Go see my friend Charlie and the whole team there. Great people. Keep your yard golf course ready year-round at Callahan's General Store. At The Turn is presented by Callahan's General Store, helping to keep your yard in golf course condition year-round for 45 years. It's always a good day to make it a Callahan's day. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? All right, now I want to talk about the transfer pool a little bit because uh, there's been movement from the Longhorns, uh, for the Longhorns in the transfer portal. They now have a total, last time we checked, this thing is <laughs> constantly uh, moving and evolving. So last time uh, we checked, the Longhorns had six players now in the transfer portal total. Um, December 4th, 6th, and the 7th, uh, these players, two, e two each day, seems to have hit the transfer portal. Xavier Bryce and Jalen Catalan were the first two, uh, and that's, those are DBs. One is a cornerback slash DB. That's Xavier Bryce, Jalen Catalan's a safety. Uh, Sawyer, uh, Sawyer Gorham Welch uh, is the interior O-line, who's played on the line, interior offensive lineman. He's a junior. Um, he hit the transfer portal December 6th. Then B.J. Allen, another safety, who's a sophomore, hit the uh, portal on December December 6th and December 7th. Yesterday, you got Casey Kane, the wide receiver, and then Larry Turner Gooden, who is a uh, red shirt freshman defensive back who is a safety, uh, is what he was playing. So it's three safeties out of these six players who have not hit the transfer portal for the Longhorns, four defensive backs, one wide receiver, and one offensive lineman. So clearly, there's a you know there's an issue at safety. Is it fair to assume exit is happening? And I, I think you'll explain why you played the position. But it, it's it's fair to assume as these are coming like in trickles, like two at a time. 
it almost sounds like to me that th- these are happening after they had their exit meeting for the year with Sark, right? And then they're sitting with Sark, and Sark's doing Could those be. meetings while he's been in there, uh, out recruiting. He comes back, he's trying to hold these exit meetings. You wonder if that's where the information is. Okay, you know. It could be. Where am I, coach? That's a great point. I mean, it could be that. I, yeah, that's a great theory. I don't know when exactly all the exit meetings. Obviously, they're happening right now. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that could be it. My, and my theory is and that definitely is a part of it because I've, I've heard that Sark is pretty upfront and um, he's pretty honest with the guys about where they stand and if they can – get playing time and if they have a bright future here at Texas. And those are some really honest, I'm sure, awkward conversations to have. Here's my theory about the safeties, though, and why you have three safeties out of the six players at the portal. And I think it's a pretty obvious one. Uh, You have Michael Taff, who's performed uh, an extraordinarily high level this year, earned his scholarship, but also he's a former walk-on. That's a great story. But it's also a story that I think for the players in that room, the safeties who are sharing the room with Michael, Tav, uh, it's one that has them extremely discouraged because as a walk-on earning that spot, that means he had, that Tav that had to pass them up, essentially. <laughs> uh, on the depth chart, in the coach's eyes, he had to surpass them at one point because those guys were scholarship players and were here. All right, so the assumption was that they had probably the advantage when it came to uh, the, you know, they're dividing up the reps. And it, it, trust me, as I, I know a lot of walk-ons. You know, it's tough. It, it, I don't know if they're it, – walk-ons like being an undrafted free agent in the NFL. It is the toughest path to end up becoming a starter or a contributor because you just don't get a lot of chances to show your stuff. You know, preferred walk-on, stuff like that, but still the scholarship guys will get the benefit of the doubt usually, and they will get more reps in practice to show their stuff. So for Taft Daddy to, pra- to, to surpass them shows, first of all, the Taft Daddy is the real deal, so shout-out to him. Don't take anything away from his effort and from how he's playing. He's actually tied for the team lead in interceptions, but I think for the psyche of those, those safeties in that room, you have to understand that they now have a uh, – there's a bleak – there's a bleak path to to play for them. Like they just don't see a light at the end of that tunnel. When Coach Aquino was the DB coach here at Texas, the, it was a psychological ploy. The way he would set up the DB room is starters sit in the first row, uh, backups behind them, and then so on and so on. So basically you would sit the way the depth chart was set up. And I cannot tell you how many times we would walk into that room. Never happened to me, and thank God, because I always dreaded that it might. Uh, you walk into that room, and guys would sit in their seats, and then as Coach Aquino is you know, right, writing on the board, dry race board, or walking around setting things up, he would just have this moment and go, oh, no, 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 no. Actually – I need you to change seats with him. Ooh. And it, it would just be subtle, and everybody go, <gasps> the, ga- the collective gasp in the room for everybody goes, <gasps> he just lost his spot. Uh-oh. And it would happen. You would be able to see it. He wanted it to happen in real time, and he wanted everybody to be able to acknowledge it. And there were some guys who would work their way from the back of that DB room all the way to the front. Guys, I'm not, I'm not mad. Blake Gideon, maybe Blake Gideon does that because Blake Gideon is, uh, you know, a, 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 a Coach Akina guy, right? He came from the same DB school that I came from in Coach Akina. So maybe he's doing that. Uh, and that, trust me, if he is, that, that explains even more so why these safeties are leaving. Um, but still think about it in that way and think about Taft Daddy being at the back of that room, all right, to start his Texas career. That's a preferred gray shirt. And, yes, and now being at the front, and he had to pass those guys up to do it. He had to literally pass. If you're going by the old Coach Akina uh, you know, uh, setup, he would have to surpass them to do it. So if it didn't happen literally, then definitely happened figuratively in their minds that, well, man, this guy surpassed us. So when you have a walk-on do that, E, 
And then not only that, but a, a, a true freshman. Now, Derek Williams is a prodigy. He was considered, you know, an elite safety Daniel. prospect, five-star coming in. So, yeah, that's not as – that that is not as troubling for those young DBs because he's a prodigy and you see those guys come in, but still the psychological damage is done. You've seen a freshman surpass you and a walk-on surpass you. So if you're one of those other safeties like Jalen Catalan, like Larry Turner Gooden, like BG Allen, how do you see a path to play? Well, no, because you 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 know in your eye you're thinking in your mind you're thinking well Jaron Thompson's going to be graduating, Keaton Crawford will be moving on. Now I got my chance. Well, no, now you're stuck behind Taft and Derek Williams. <laughs> and they're recruiting, uh, you know, Xavier, Xavier Phil Semi. Phil Semi, yeah. and they're all over. And then they got McCuba in the um, portal. Andrew they're talking McCuba, about him. Clemson. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, that, 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 you know and if you're playing behind, let's not forget, he's not just a preferred gray shirt walk-on. He also helped land Arch Manning to Texas. And yeah. I don't, that, that, that performance is why he's moving up. Yes, no doubt. But, but Michael Taft has been an integral part of this, this program the last couple of years uh, for the development of the roster for Sark because he's a big part of the friendship with Arch was a big part of the he's decision. Great. And that's good. Big culture yeah, guy, I mean, this, And culture guy. But big either way. Guy. But, again, this to me is what the portal is about. This is – if Sark is being genuine, which I assume he is, it's – you know, you might be better elsewhere here. Not that we don't love you, but at the same time, if you want to get on the field, you know – we, we, we're, we're still out recruiting guys in the portal. We're going you – know, Andrew Makuba has been crystal balled to Texas from Clemson. Mm-hmm. If that happens, there's another safety dropping in. So, obviously, there's, there's the immediate 23 days from now issue of who's going to play safety in the Sugar Bowl. I mean, you get with Derek Williams suspended. For the first half. For the first half. So, Keaton Crawford and Jaron Thompson step on up along with Michael Taft. They're going to need those guys in a big way. Uh, these guys – likely to, to be moving on. And somebody said about Casey Kane, kind of the same thing. If you're Casey Kane, you're thinking, hey, my time's coming because X-Man's leaving. And, uh, and here goes, uh, I say, I mean, um, you know, the conversation with A.D. Mitchell moving on, and this is my chance. Well, now, you know, they've got Jonte Cook and they've got DeAndre Moore, and they're, they're in the portal looking at the kid at Purdue in Houston. And and Ryan Wingo. Ryan Wingo and, yeah. and you know, maybe the guy and, from South Carolina. Yeah, exactly. Juice Wells, and you hear about, you know, Deion Burks in the transfer report. Matthew Golden now, the U of H receiver's in there, and Sark really liked him when he was coming out. I think he was coming out of Florida at the time. And for Casey Kane, I think his situation's a little different, but it's still the same where – you know, we talk about Sark having a really tight circle of trust with his wide receivers. Usually it's three or four guys in there. If you can't crack that three or four, it's going to be tough for you, man. This is going to you SOL. Casey Kane at one point early in his career when Sark first got here, he was in the circle. Yeah. He was in the circle, and now he's not. He's- and I think, I think that has had you know, kind of a damaging effect on his confidence. He's like, I was in that circle, and now I'm not. And those wide receivers in that room, they all know if you ain't cracking the top four, you ain't got a shot. You might as well sit on that bench, start looking in the stands, because well, you ain't got a chance to play in Sark's offense. He, don't, he doesn't expand receiver rotations like that. It's not his, in his nature. And that's the what I like about the transfer portal is, guys, you know, back in your day, if you were getting moved back, you're, stuck. you're just stuck there. You're just stuck. You, you, you could sit out a year if you wanted to, but you were stuck. Yeah, and so we'll see where these guys land. And yeah. you've done the deep dive research, which I think you know, no one else is doing of where these guys go and how they perform. So it shows a healthy program. Yep. If these guys move on, like a Larry Turner Good News from California or a DJ Allen. Allen from Alito and land somewhere and perform, that'd they be great. Will, I think they will be. There is such They're highly players, recruited right? guys coming out. Now, and wasn't that's, B.J. That's Allen a five-star? Four. He was, he was, he was, he was on the verge of, yeah, he was, yeah, he was like French a guys. four and a half or yeah, something Yeah, we like talked that. about that yesterday. I mean, yeah. he was yeah. – that was a big get. And I remember during the during this season when – the long ones were struggling at safety. I remember asking Jerry Hamilton, our friend, hey, where's, where's, he? where's B.J. Allen? <laughs> yeah. Did he hey, get hurt? Is Ta- he? Taft Daddy said, the my reps, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. The my reps, man. That's what well, I'm saying. Like, that is, guys, you have no idea as a DB how, how devastating that is to your confidence. 
devastating. You've been here in the program. You've been working the weight room. And then a freshman comes in and a walk-on come in, and they come take your reps. Oh. Those guys can't wait to hit the transfer portal. And that's like I said, it's, and I know Longhorn fans, y'all don't appreciate Taft yet. And I think it's Longhorn fans have always been tough on the white safeties. I'll just say it, all right? Y'all, y'all have been. I don't know why y'all tough on the white safety. Blake Gideon, y'all used to talk trash on him. Still do, even though he started you know more why. games than any other player in the history of DBU. In the history of DBU, started more games than anybody. Y'all still talk trash on him like he's some kind of jag or he's some type of jabroni. And then that's Dylan Haynes. Remember Dylan Haynes? Y'all talk trash on Dylan Haynes over and over again, even though he was a starting safety for Texas. He's fifth all time in interceptions in the history of DBU, and yet y'all call him trash. And the same thing with Tap Daddy. Tap Daddy has earned a spot, has surpassed all these four and five star guys to earn a place on the field. He is tied for the team leading interceptions. And all I keep hearing is, man, we can't get nobody out there better than Tap. No, <laughs> you can't, because he's damn good. So quit hating on the white safeties, man. All right? They're just saying it. White condiments the DBU. And white safeties. They do. Longhorn fans, y'all know y'all do. Y'all see a white safety out there. Y'all don't even watch the field. I'm like, oh, man, y'all start to criticize him. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. Oh, he don't make plays on the ball. Stop it. Stop it now, okay? Just stop it. All right, we'll come back. Uh, let's go <laughs> off the record, including an off-the-record story that may involve Michael Tapp, uh, which is interesting. Also, uh, other off-the-record stories, stories maybe you've missed but you need to know because they're going to be talked about. It's Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby. D.D. Megadoodoo. I'm sorry, Mangudu. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Delhi Cat Essen. Well, well I don't get a break the egg comb. Well, congratulations. Continue good sex in, the, good sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. Oh, man, it is uh, off-the-record time, including this. I'll say this off-the-record because we're talking about Mike, Michael Taft and his impact on the Longhorn program. You know, Jerry Hamilton was the one that told us, Rod, on uh, Tuesday night. We do the Tuesday night live stream on YouTube on the On Texas Football channel. Yep. That, that he was told that there, there was some thought that maybe he would transfer to Austin as a senior and play at Westlake. Arch Manning, that he liked it here so much, and he had, you know. Yeah, I do. I remember that. Remember he told us that? And I was like, it didn't happen because Isidore Newman, he played basketball A, but also Isidore Newman has been such a part part of the the, the Manning family all the way back to Archie, that 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 school is important to them and the legacy. But that that Arch actually considered maybe moving to Austin a year early to play football at Westlake, because that's where all his buddies are. That's so cool. Um, To the the connection he has with, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the Westlake kids and, I uh, thought about coming to play. Now, it didn't happen, obviously. But uh, that gives you a, a kind of an indicator for just how – because for people to talk about Arch is leaving, he's going to go to Ohio State. Uh, I think That's Arch is here. Happening. Arch wants to be in Austin. He loves Austin. And I always say play, his parents want him to enjoy college. Mm-hmm. They have yep. the perspective of that, that only they have, which is, hey, NFL's always going to be there, guy. I mean, you're, and, you're gonna, and you're always going to be a Manning. So – the yeah. attention's going to come. We, yeah. Yeah, we don't have to build up to it. It's going to be there. And the NFL's a different animal. NFL's a business, and it's, it's mm-hmm. a harder job. It's a different job. So enjoy college. Yep, enjoy. And I, if you yeah. pick the school you really enjoy, then enjoy that. And enjoy your friends and be a college student. 
and you know learn the game of football. That's part, Sark's a big part of why they why they chose mm-hmm. him because they want quarterback development, just like David Cutcliffe was big in the Manning family. Yep. Sark seems like he and AJ Bill. They we, want a guy with an NFL system. Yep. We got a pro style system. So I, I can't sit here and guarantee he plays three four years at Texas, but that's what we've been told that that's what the plan is. That uh, there where Quinn Ewers and the Ewers family is fast tracking the pros and would mm-hmm. like him to go as fast as he can. The, the Manning family's opposite. I mean, our, our, Peyton played four years at Tennessee. No one yeah. thought for a second that Peyton Manning would play four years at Tennessee. I think you're right about that. Then Eli redshirted and sat behind a, in his second year, and then became a you know a star in Oxford. So it, the Mannings are different, different, a different uh, breed, and they can afford to be. They're the sure. first family of football. They yeah. don't have to rush anything. Yeah, Grandpa says you can't even take any NIL dollars unless it's for charity until you're starting. So you know, he wants you to earn it. That's pretty good perspective. Yeah, he wants you to earn it. What do you have an off the record there, RB? Uh, just got a couple of uh, strange stories. So you guys know uh, Brock Lesnar, of course, the uh, wrestler, famous wrestler slash UFC fighter. I, I love this one. You you've seen this time talking about his daughter. Yes, <laughs> I thought his it was fake. Daughter. I thought it was fake. It's real though, right? Yeah, okay, it so is. his daughter Maya Lesnar broke the school record in the women's shot put with a mark of eighteen point uh, five meters uh, through the air. So, apparently, uh, Brock Lesnar has four kids total, Meyer and her twin brother, Luke, with his ex-fiance, Nicole McClain, and then Turk and Duke, I believe, with his wife, Raina, now. Um, but, yeah, apparently his daughter, she basically, she could, she could kick, she can kick Ty's butt. Well, the story, the story to me was that she looks identical to Brock Lesnar. Now she does, yes, yeah, she does, yeah, it looks like, yeah, it's, it's a, yeah. Pretty much, it's a mini. That's why I thought I thought it was just a girl with Brock Lesnar's face, like photoshopped on top of it. It's that it's, <laughs> the resemblance is uncanny. She goes to Colorado State, and yeah, she just set the school record for the shot put. So she got genes from daddy. She got the strength from from pops. Uh, she'd whoop my butt. You're right about that. And she's yeah, she looks like Brock Lesnar. I mean, I, I don't know if that's a good thing though. That she looks exactly like yeah, Brock Lesnar. I'm hoping that my daughter looks more like my wife and looks like me because I think that would be unfortunate yeah, yeah, <laughs> for yeah, her to look yeah. like me. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, she but she she definitely got that dad strength. I mean, that's unbelievable. I always say that about uh, who is it? Billy Joel. Like Billy Joel has two daughters. One looks just like him, and one looks just like Christy Brinkley. I know exactly. <laughs> like damn it. You know, people say that about Blue, uh, uh, Beyonce's daughter with Jay Z, that she looks more like Jay Z. I'm like, oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah, that sucks. I say, oh, well, you look like Beyonce. I mean, I think even Jay Z <laughs> well, agrees. Like, uh, no, I want you to look like Beyonce, girl. Not like me. Billy Joel's a legend, but <laughs> not the pretty. I mean, if you're a girl, you want to look like Christy uh, Brinkley. Well, exactly. <laughs> I, I'm on that. I'm like, no, I want you to look like your mom, not like me. If you look like a female me. That's gonna that ain't gonna be good. No, it's not gonna be good for you. Yeah, yeah. Especially if they're like two two daughters and the one looks like a supermodel the other looks like pudgy elton john like damn did one get the voice at least the, the, the artistic hope. creativity get some of that at least hey, we're come not, on we're not judging no we're, we're just not making observations there you go hey ty can you play what i just sent you on twitter i want to hear this this is interesting apparently they did uh, they did an inside the nba espn crossover last night for the in-season tournament oh no and apparently this happened last night with Charles Barkley and Stephen A. Smith. Can we play this real fast? Hey, let me tell you something, Stephen A. If you come over here with all that loud ass talking tonight, <laughs> hey, this ain't first take. Hey, Thank hey, you. This tell ain't him, first take. This going to be the first to ass whooping you take. <laughs> you come over here with that loud ass talk. But I'm going to tell you that. Wait, but Stephen. There you go. There you go. I'm going to whoop your ass. You come over here at Stephen A. Who wouldn't want to see that? Come on now. I love it. That is great. Yeah, that's fantastic. Right, that, that show is just 
it keeps getting better. You keep expecting it to, to lag or something. Nope, that show keeps getting better, man. It's great. They were doing a cooking segment the other day, and, <laughs> and we were watching, and Shaq had an apron on. Like, like Kenny Smith had a full apron, so did Charles. On Shaq, it looked like a bib. It was unbelievable. <laughs> so big. They don't even do basketball stuff half the time. It is still damn good. Oh, it's man. good. Yeah, great. All right, good stuff. This says, Rod, don't forget about the white running backs, too. There ain't none. Hey, Christian hey, McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey, man. CMC, yeah, baby. Come on now. Hey, I'm trying to bring back the white DB, man. You know, I feel a little, a little guilt about that from Jason Seahorn. Welcome. <laughs> you took his job. We'll be back. Hook him up with Ian Rod B. Rolls on on a Friday.